Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Kyrie Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And don't forget, you can always read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now. I'm just kind of looking at the whole quarterback situation. Why, why Howell has been, Sam Howell has been ineffective of lately, of late, why Jacoby Brissett has been more effective, what this means for Sam Howell's future in Washington and more. It's all on ESPN.com. And also don't forget, you can check, check us out after the commander's game against the 49ers on Sunday with a wrap up. It's new year's Eve, but we'll still have one out. So there you go. So let's today's Friday five. Let's get right into it. Um, If you, for, if you want to know the injury updates, you can check back later on ESPN.com um, or you can check on Twitter because we'll have it there, but this will come out in the morning. So going to go without the injury reports and updates for the game because they're 4-11, and 11, and I know that what you're interested in is other stuff. So number one, let's look at the draft class because Chris Rodriguez has just put on injury reserve, which basically takes away probably the most productive rookie that they had this year at running one of their running backs, but six round pick has uh, injured his right foot um, was in a boot after the game. So no surprise there that he was put on IR or that he was going to be unavailable. And you only have two more games. If you're not going to make it back for that, you may as well just go on IR and get somebody else up. And so there you go. He, like I said, he may have been the most, the best rookie this year, certainly the one who flashed the most, because as a running back, you're going to flash more, but it's what he showed in those carries. And I always liked him from the start. I always felt like he had pretty good vision, a good one cut runner, but he ran with power and you'd see him always leaning forward through the hole. And that's one thing he does really well. And I felt like that was showed up during the games. It's why he averaged 4.8 yards per carry is because he ran with that power, constantly breaking tackles. Did a really good job with that. We saw that last week against the Jets. And I'm disappointed that you're not going to get more of a chance to see it in the next two games. However, sounds like Brian Robinson will be back on Sunday. So therefore, it's not, we don't, I don't know that Rodriguez would have gotten a ton of work anyway, but I think it bodes well for the future for him and for the organization based on what he's shown. I know. Running backs coach, offensive coordinator, you know, Eric Bieniemy, Randy Jordan, they both really like Rodriguez. Of course, they drafted him. But I think it's the traits he has shown is that he that he could develop into a solid back in the NFL or at least be part of a good one-two punch here in the future. You know, when whoever comes in next year, you're going to have him and Robinson. Now, of course, then it depends on what offense you're running. But I think there's a good start for that running backs room and one thing I like about Rodriguez, he also has good hands. I think his hands are going to be more of a, I think he's going to be more of a factor as a pass catcher down the road. Um, I also like that he liked that he would play a lot of special teams and he would do things like that. I think that speaks to, you know, when guys are like that, they really like playing the game and guys with, with uh, lasting in this league. So, that's so I think he was did a really good job disappointing to see it end, but he was probably their best rookie, which doesn't say a lot about this rookie class. Emmanuel Forbes, of course, still having trouble getting on the field unless somebody else gets hurt ahead of him. Has not been a good year for the 16th overall pick. 
I'm not going to sit there and play hindsight. I thought at the time I liked the pick because of what he showed in college and what they needed. His issue in the NFL is not about size. It's about technique. You look at um, Sauce Gardner for the for the Jets, not a big, big corner, 6'3", 200, skinny guy, but his technique is really good. And he's very, very sound in many areas. I mean, I'm not comparing Forbes to him, but point is it's not Forbes is, excuse me, um, Gardner's find a way to be an excellent corner despite being a slimmer corner. And that's what Forbes is. So it's not about the size right now. It's about everything else. So he's going to have to get that squared away to become a solid contributor in the future and, and take away another need for this organization. Because right now you'd have to go in the off season wanting to get at least one or two more corners, depending Kendall Fuller is a free agent. Benjamin St. Juice has not been his best year. But then again, it depends on the system you're going to run and how he fits into that. So just because somebody had a was not up to par this year doesn't mean you just write everybody off because it's always going to be about how you fit in somebody else's vision and scheme. I remember when, when Greg Williams came here and they changed some guys, but they didn't change everybody. And they turned him into a really good defense because of how they were coached and and the the scheme and, and the philosophy, et cetera. So just don't dismiss everybody now because they had a bad year. Maybe you know, we'll, we'll find out in the future. Was it what they were being asked to do? Were they in the wrong spots? Whatever. So, you know, just, but, but at very least, you're going to need at least one corner, especially if you don't re-sign Kendall. And, um, and even if you do, you may need a couple because if Forbes doesn't improve, big problem. Quan Martin is steadily improved. He's been, I think, a been a fine pick. I think if you had picked him with his contributions in the third round, you'd say, hey, that's pretty good. Second rounder, you'd like to see a little bit more overall. But I do think he's trended, trending in the right direction as far as being a contributor down the road for them. But, you know, this year, and he's developed into a nice slot corner. And I think he's a smart kid. So I think he can be, again, a, a good contributor for them. To what level? I don't know yet. Um, can he be a solid, could he be a solid starter? I don't, I can't, it's hard for me to say that. He might just be a guy who's a slot corner and a, um, and a, and a safety at times. And, and you're just a versatile guy. You need those guys too. So I think their secondary will be interesting to see what happens there because I, I like Derek Force. Derek Force is not going to play. I, I do not foresee him playing the rest of the next two games. I think he was a big loss for them in the backfield. Again, especially the communication skills. Uh, you know, if, if you resign Cam Curl, the secondary could have some a lot of familiar parts but maybe they'll be better. Um, but again, you need some corner. You still need more help at corner. And I would go look for another veteran safety, if nothing else, especially if you don't get Cam Curl back. Um, as far as the rest of the draft class, Andre Jones, still a very raw prospect. Um, you know, he flashed to the summer. He flashed once in a while during when he played. I think KJ Henry was more impactful during the games. Excuse my cold here but kj henry is more impactful i feel like and made more of a mark both in the run game and the pass game not a dynamic player very lean very uh slender uh frame but what the coaches will tell you that they like they really feel like his because i asked the one about that the slender frame is like the hips are really strong and so like that kind of makes up for that and that allows him to play with his length and to play and um, with really good strength because of that. And so he, but he's been, I think he's been of that group 
better. And he could be a guy that could be a rotational fit at end um, in the next year or two. So, you know, but Jones, I still think is more of a project at this point. Then you got Ricky Stromberg. Who knows? I did like his awareness this year. I liked when he played at guard. I felt like he was, he had, even though he'd never played it, I felt like his awareness was really good. I don't know what kind of a center he is in the NFL because we didn't really see it. So it's hard for me to say where he fits in the future, but you know, he'll be here, but I don't know what kind of role he'll play. So again, overall, not a good year for this draft class at all. And it's kind of a part of the reason why this team didn't do anything because you just didn't get the contributions. You weren't going to get tremendous contributions, but you needed more from the top couple of picks throughout the course of the season. Um, and then you needed something from the third and fourth picks at some point and you got nothing. Stromberg gets hurt. Daniels hurt early, but really wasn't, was not, was not on a path to being much of a factor this year at all. So, and I'll be curious to see if he is in, in, at all in the future. I'm not really confident of that one. Anyway, number two, Eric Bieniemy talked today about um, the the quarterback switch with Sam Howell and Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett. Basically, boil it down. He said he he said it. You know, Sam wasn't playing well. This is a production based business. Bieniemy really still likes Howell a lot for what take it for what it's worth. Um, Bieniemy typically is going to say very good things about him, and he did. He said one of the things he needs to do is just continue to be you know kind of slow the process down. And can he do that by watching Brissett? You know, um, I don't know. There's things that you're going to be able to pick up. You can watch how a guy operates and, you know, the plays that you would have run and how maybe he handles it differently. Maybe how, why did he make this decision here? And you can pick his brain afterwards and maybe that leads to something for you down the road. You know, we'll see. I think the other thing he said that he has to be a film junkie, keep asking questions, keep taking notes. These are all things he does already. And I know somebody even asked, earlier today on, on thing on so on Twitter or something like that. Like, well, does that mean he's not doing that? No, he does that already. I think it's just more, you have to keep grinding because that's the only way you get better in this league. If you get, if you stop doing that, when you get knocked down a peg, then you're going to be out of the league pretty soon. And that's not how Howell is made. That's not his makeup. Uh, you know, he's a guy that will continue to do that because it's what he's always done. And I'd be surprised if he does anything different, but I think it's more, you know, if I, you know, you, Keep watching a lot of film, as much film as possible, because that's how you're going to help yourself um, for the future. And that's how you can help this organization. He's a smart kid. And I do think it will help him watching how Brissett handles this stuff. Maybe they talk about how he handles it throughout the week, his preparation, all that. But that's also something he's also seen um, already because they, they spend a lot of time together. Those two are, are pretty tight. And I think that's re really speaks volumes about both of them for sure. And I'll be curious to see the impact that Brissett has. Um, for All right, number three. I think whoever comes here next year would be wise to retain Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, I think he's a he's a tremendous mentor. Ron Rivera's talked about that. Bienemy has talked about that. And I know that it kind of feels like anything those guys say at this point, everybody wants to dismiss because they haven't won, but it doesn't mean that everything is wrong. And what they're saying about Brissett is right. He's a tremendous mentor. And I even talked to, I was talking to someone who's a coaching agent who said he'll target Brissett when he's done playing to hire him, to get him on the coaching, um, in the, and go get him on the coaching tree and get him somewhere, get him got, going down that path if you wanted to be, because this guy thought he'd be a tremendous coach. And I tend to agree just getting to know him a little bit. He's a, he's, ultra smart, very he, players like him. 
um, has good connect, good connectivity skills, I guess, for like, you know, to sound, I guess, professional. Um, but he also is someone who he relates well to a lot of players. I think he, you know, it just, it really stuck with me how after the game, I mean, he has this big game for himself on Sunday and what he's talking about. And when he, you know, the same thing he's talking about on Wednesday when he met with the media was about how he still wanted to help Howell and how he still believed in Sam Howell and how people need to be in his corner right now. And I think when you're, he, one thing that Brissett is able to do is that he's not myopic. It's not just about him. He's really very much about team and understanding his role within that scheme and his role in Sam Howell's development. And I think that's why a guy like that is so important to keep around if possible. And it's why this person that I talked to feels like he'd be a good head coach one day. Now, a lot of this also depends on who's coaching here and whoever's coaching here. Do they have their own guy as a veteran backup they want to bring in? That's always possible. Then it's also, you know, what does Washington do with that first pick? Do they draft a quarterback? Would Brissett, would Brissett want to come back if there's a rookie and then there's Sam Howell and then there's Brissett? Or would Washington trade Sam Howell? No, no clue, no clue on any of these. That's all for off-season talk. But are you trying to look at like what would prevent him from coming here? Would he want to go somewhere where it's a clear, you know, where he's got either a chance to compete for a job or where you don't have another young guy there that could surpass you as a number two? Um, if that's how they saw Sam Howell. And I don't know that that would be the case. What I do know is you look around the NFL and there's always these veteran quarterbacks in need to get, you know, to go in and play. And that's why a guy like Brissett would be ultra valuable for anybody um, to have on their roster. I mean, he would have, he'd have been playing and starting for a lot of teams. You, what do you think Minnesota would have done to have Jacoby Brissett this year? They did not offer anything great. And if I'm Washington, I never would have given him up unless it was like a fourth round pick or higher. But even in that, you know, but they, they never got that. Um, but his his willingness to be a mentor to Howell, I think, was was good. And and if they wanted to go draft a quarterback this offseason, I think that's why if you want to keep a guy, that's a guy I would keep. But again, whoever comes in may have their own Jacoby Brissett in mind type player and go that way. But I would do what I could to keep him. Number four draft talk we're going to have a lot of it folks there's still a chance that this team does not finish with the third pick overall because it's based on strength of schedule and the patriots are right behind them and it's going to be close depends on what happens over these next two weeks and how that affects the records of the teams that these teams have played so there's a chance that it could break the patriots way and they still end up with the third and and washington ends up with the fourth pick and new england with the third pick I think New England does have the Jets coming up, so if they can win that game, and it certainly seems like they're still playing to win, that would render it moot. And then there are a bunch of games. There are going to be a handful of games that could affect this. I'm not going to get into all the scenarios here, but just suffice to say, Washington does not, even if they lose the next two, does not have it locked down as a third overall pick. They have the better chance of it, um, than certainly than New England, but it's not a lock that that's where they finish. So just get ready for that, because that could happen. Um, depending on how a handful of games uh, break break down. And so I think one of them would be like Pittsburgh-Seattle. Well, Pittsburgh played um, the Patriots, Seattle played Washington. So if Pittsburgh wins that game, that helps Washington because then it makes it makes um, New England's strength of schedule a little bit harder. And the way it works is the easier your schedule, 
the higher you pick. Because the 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 thought is if you had that bad a record and you had the easier schedule, you must be really bad. So that's why you get that. So, anyways, so just pay attention to that. And then the other thing that I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna this is my thing I kind of harp on a lot. Maybe you get tired of me talking about this. Do not fall in love with the position just yet. I don't care what position it is, whether it's quarterback, tackle, et cetera. And those are the right now, to be honest, at the top, at the top, those are probably the top two. You know, you can also throw a receiver in there because there's some really good receivers. Marvin Harrison, the guy, the guy from Washington, a couple other receivers that are going to be probably top 13, top, you know, you could have three or four receivers in the top 13 picks or so. And you put that on the table for him too. I don't know that where you put them on the pecking order, but you'd put them on the table because there's some good, really good players there. But the point is you can't go into this thinking they have to take position X. And for those of you who think that, because something I think you also have to keep in mind, they have more than one pick and they have more than one way to improve at certain other positions. And it's easier. It's going to be easier to, um, I don't know about easier, but you can find like if you want to build rebuild your line, you can do some of that stuff in free agency. I, it's going to be easier to find some of that those pieces in free agency than it would be a starting quarterback who has a high ceiling, for example. And so just keep all that in mind. And I'm not even throwing one position or another. And the other thing is like if, I know a lot of people will say like, well, I don't care about the quarterback until you build a line. It's not a linear position here. You take the best guy when you have a chance to get him. Period. That's how you build. You do not build, we're going to do this first and then this second and then this third when it's all said and done. Because by the time you get to that point, you could go and draft these couple offensive linemen. The Giants did that. The Giants drafted two linemen. I think they were both, I want to say they were both um, top 10. Andrew Thomas was. And then um, who else did they take? They took another lineman pretty high too. And their line stinks. But the my point in that is, you don't know when it's going to become like you could draft a couple guys now and start to rebuild it. And you could do this in a year or two, and then you could do this that year. And then by the time you get to the whatever reason. So, and that might be a little bit of a stretch that I'm talking about. So bear with me, but I would say you don't build in a linear fashion. You take, if you believe in the quarterback there, that's when you go get him. If you don't think he, if you're not sold on him, then you don't get him. You build over here. You build with the lineman, right? Or you whatever position you want to take. And I bring up the lineman in this draft because we know there are two tackles in the top five who are going to, you know, or top five or six of the picks are very worthy of drafting. And so the neither one of them would be a bad pick. So yes, that would make sense, but you do not bypass one of the top quarterbacks if you like them simply because oh, well, we have to build the offensive line first. No, you can do some other things to improve on the line. And you can also draft some guys in the second round as well. You can move back up in the first to take another one. Um, and we all know that there are quarterbacks who, who bust in the first round. There's also offensive linemen who bust in the top five picks or top six picks, top 10 picks, whatever you want to do. And we'll take a look at all those down the road. Again, the point is don't fall in love with the position and say you have to get this. Yes, they have to build a line. Yes, they need to get, they're probably going to need to get another quarterback or at least bring someone else in, you know, as a competition for Sam Howell, um, if nothing else. And and if they've, and listen, if the new staff comes in and says, hey, they love Sam Howell or they really like what he can do and want to see what he can do, more power to them. Build a line. 
get another receiver at some other point, right? Or tight end, whatever it is. And then, and then C, and then, then if it doesn't, if you're not, and if it doesn't work, then you go next year. But if you love Caleb Williams or Drake May, and you have a chance to get one of them, you have to do it. If not, take one of the tackles, right? Simple as that, or, or Marvin Harrison, whatever you want to do. But I'm not, you know, I would just, you know, caution against against that. And that's going to be my little preachy message for the next couple of months, or at least until things really start to take shape and they get, we know what pick they have. Finally, number five. Well, I'm not going to do a little preview of the game because, folks, we know. All right. So it is what it is. But they're, play, but they're playing Chase Young this week. So Chase Young coming back, Trent Williams coming back, Kyle Shanahan coming back. Etc. But Chase Young, his first time coming back since the trade, of course, just a few months ago. And, you know, what kind of be curious to see what kind of game he has. Um, he's had a nice he's had a, a help. He's been helpful for the 49ers and their pass rush numbers are better with him than without. And that's those are facts, right? The stats are what they are. Chase Young had five sacks with Washington. He has two and a half with San Francisco. And I watched his last two games. I think it's about 70 different pass rushes. And to be honest, he kind of looks the same and, you know, which can be good, which, but also comes with flaws. And there are times where he definitely keeps rushing wider on, on, on some of the the quarterback to run through. And especially if the tackles aren't getting any penetration, but he definitely rounds a lot at the top still. Um, When I saw him win, it was typically inside the tackle. So that's something to watch for Sunday. Um, they did not move him around a ton. There were a couple of times he mostly rushing from the right end and then Nick Bosa on the left side. Nick Bosa is the alpha dog, alpha male here, right? So he's going to rush where he wants to rush. So if Bosa wants to rush on the left side, he's going to rush on the left side. Occasionally they flip and occasionally they might run a stunt with Young. Um, one time I saw him stand up over the, I think it was over the right guard, kind of stunted to the, to the other side. Did not see that very often at all. There's not rushing him inside um, or lining him up inside and rushing that way. It's mostly just as a straight right end get trying to get upfield. And again, when he and you see some of the stutter, a little bit of the stutter steps, but he looked a lot like he did here. And he's mostly playing as a backup, as Nick Wagner talked about on the podcast yesterday. By the way, go back and listen, Nick, because he had some good insight on Adam Peters, a guy who can factor here in the GM candidacy. And also Bobby Slowick, who could factor here as a possible coaching candidate. So go back and listen to that. And if they hire one of those guys, I'm going to have Nick back on to go more in depth about each one of those guys. So anyway, but with Chase, you know, I would expect same kind of effort. You know, he's going to want to to do something big here. If I were Washington, I'd try to use that against him and use some of that. You know, he's going to be ultra, ultra pumped up for that. Take, you know, use some of that aggressiveness against him, I guess try to set him up maybe a little bit and maybe you know he's going to try and get some sacks so maybe you can hit something through that gap um knowing that he's probably going to widen and try and maybe you know i don't say freelance but certainly widen a little bit and get a little bit too far upfield at times but still a good player or still still can be a very um helpful player i guess and um so it's about what we saw right so that's about what you're going to see on sunday and i'd be curious to see also too how jacoby Brissett's 
um, a game long impact is. And, and in, you know, you saw, I mean, he hasn't been sacked yet. I think that's really good. Can he operate that again, a full game against this kind of a front? I think that's going to be difficult. So I'll be curious to see what his impact is. Um, I really like what he's done so far. That touchdown pass to Logan Thomas the other day was great. He looks to the right, comes back, and he holds a safety. The route, they did a nice route design there with Dotson take clearing out of the side, and then just a bullet to, to Logan Thomas through a tight window. That was just a really nice throw, but a good job of operating um, by by um, Jacoby Brissett and a nice route by, by Thomas, kind of angled a little bit and cuts back to the seam. Just a nice job. But I think those are the kind of plays you can look for from him and just he's going to have to operate quickly because it is a good pass rush and i think that's something he's done pretty well is is diagnosing pre-snap and making sure he gets rid of the ball so listen niners are going to win this game so all everybody worried about the draft picks you don't i don't think you have to or at least not because this team's going to win it's hard to see them beating the niners after what happened to the niners on christmas day I would be I would be shocked if Kyle Shanahan isn't a little bit ready for this one as well. He always, even though nobody's here who really played a hand in anything that happened when he was here, um, I think he still relishes beating this franchise. So I'll look at say the say the Niners 33-23, something like that, 33-21 in that range where I think Brissett can help them maybe keep it competitive for a few quarters, um, maybe a little bit longer. But Niners are just too good. So, and and I just I don't trust this defense against teams that can make big plays, and the Niners can make big plays. Injuries will be a key. And again, so stay tune back or or check out ESPN.com for injury updates or 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 Twitter um on Friday to see who's not going to play, who is going to play, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, I'm rambling, folks. I've been under the weather, so I apologize and thanks for sticking with me. Um, I'll be back after the game Sunday talking Commanders 49ers, big picture stuff. Not going to boil it down to minutia game stuff because 4 and 11. So anyway, folks, thanks a lot. And I'll talk to you next time.